0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, Member FDIC.
1: This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Ball of the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web, which covers the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patronage. Because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online, we would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash LHR book. That's clnsradio.com slash LHR book. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, March 20th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I'm Larry H. Russell. Today's featured guest will be NBA TV Sekou Smith, one of the easiest, most free-flowing guys to talk to in my eyes across the national NBA media. And one of the most informative, too, of course. That's why we get him here, at least from my experience. This will be Sekou's fourth appearance here on this broadcast and for today's pregame segment, which we may or may not do to to the team the Celtics are playing tonight, the lowly, pathetic Philadelphia 76ers whatever. Whatever we yeah, Here we go. ESPN's Chris Forsberg. He's here. But hold What's on. What's going on? Chris, hold on. Hey, I got one more thing. I got to announce the winner. Our latest ticket giveaway to go see the Sellers take on the Toronto Raptors this coming Wednesday at the TD Garden. All that on episode number 149 of Sellers Beat being brought to you today by SeatGeek. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SellersBeat all one word for a $20 rebate on your first ticket purchase. And, of course, I'm not forgetting America's leading supplier of organic meat, the good folks at American Farmers Network.com. Protein, not carbs. You want to be eating steak, not donuts, especially the, the donuts the Celtics threw up this past week, Chris. And
0: now you go, man. <laughs> That's Those good are the segment. bad donuts. Bad donuts. You know what? It's uh, it's funny. I was wondering what your mood would be. Are, are you ready to pounce on this team?
1: No. No. No, really? I was, I remember I said on last week's show, I actually had Jay King on for the recap segment. And I remember said, I think there's a good chance we're going to be back here next Sunday with this team going 0-4. They were underdogs in every single game. The the Rockets loss was, like, that's the one now you look back on and say, you know, that was really a problem there.
0: Yeah, and, and I think just in general, the the fact that they weren't overly competitive against Oklahoma no, City. And, None of the team. Really. Well, yeah, Indiana, then but that was so long really ago like, now probably. that I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> one quarter against uh, the Raptors on Friday. Like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a little disappointing. I think we knew that they were going to struggle when they lost Crowder. I, I guess it hammers home his value and, and what he means to this team. Uh, but the rotations look lost. They look uncertain. They look unsure. I think that's the frustrating part for Brad. I think he was hoping that, you know, guys would say, all right, opportunity. You know, Jay's down. we got to step up but instead it's just like everyone's kind of walking on eggshells and kind of looking like all right when's Jay going to be back and so they got to they got to kind of flip that mentality and and maybe the the lowly 76ers and the 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 slightly less lowly Orlando Magic can help boost them up a little bit but uh yeah they got to they got to kind of they need something they need some shots to drop and some confidence and 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 kind of build off that
1: yeah this is supposed to be the pregame segment for the Philadelphia game i haven't I have not done. They've told us to play the Sixers three times now. We have not done one pregame segment on this show or on steelnessradio.com for the Sixers. In fact, I was praying, praying. Like <laughs> I emailed Jessica Camerato like a week and a half ago about this segment, and I was—if she got back, I was going to be like, "Yeah, you know, can you go at 3:30 uh, in the morning on Sunday?" <laughs> so that way, you know, we're not going to talk about this game. Thank God, and we're not. We're putting tonight in the bank. Lo- the losing streak is over. But, but uh, it, I think they're pretty yeah, safe. Yeah, it does go without saying that they did miss Jay Crowder, and it was going to be an issue earlier in the week when you looked who they were playing. When you saw Paul George, Durant, DeMar DeRozan, yeah. those it turned out none of the guys, none of those guys like killed them. Yeah, but they all true. had good enough games. And what we're really not looking at now, in my eyes, is the Celtics don't have anyone on the team to even like come close to match matching Crowder's productions on the offensive end, too, because Crowder's made such a name for himself on the defensive end, it's now sort of overshadowing the strides he's made offensively, you know, shooting the three. But they're just so thin there at that position. They have nothing there. Like when Smart goes out or or Bradley goes out, you can always say, oh, we'll give more minutes to, you know, that guy. But you lose Crowder, and it's, oh, well, you know what, this is uh, James Young's chance or, you know, whatever that NBDL jabroni they just signed to a second 10-day contract. (laughs) Oh, man, Cody
0: Clark. Poor family. (laughs) You know, I don't, I don't disagree. I think the one thing you look back at this stretch and, and maybe second guess is whether the Celtics should have gone out at the deadline and obviously they, they knew they were going to be losing David Lee there and, and whether they could have added some depth at the swingman spot. I think we knew they were thin, but the fact that Jay hadn't missed any game sort of masked the fact of how thin they were there. And like, listen, you know, it doesn't help that Jarebko goes down right after him. And, you know, they don't even like playing Jerebco much at the three, but they'd almost have to without Jay. And, or at least, you know, put throw the three guards out there and go go kind of small with, with, with Jonas at the four. But, you know, so all of a sudden both those guys are down. Now you got Evan Turner starting, uh, at least the most recent game. And let's face it, like, what makes Jay great for this offense is that he can stand in the corner and when teams wander he can hit a three-pointer well the two guys you've got filling in for him, marcus smart and evan turner are maybe the two worst three-point shooting guys in the league right now in terms of guys playing healthy minutes so that's a problem and then the other problem is that they they're both probably thrive most when they have the ball in their hands and they're able to create and so you're pulling one of them off the second unit it's just killing
1: the second unit
0: yeah, it's just it's just a trickle down effect. Like Turner and Olinick
1: were great on the second unit if I recall like and when they won 8 and 9 going into the break. Turner and Olinick were just mm. ripping it up on the second unit I thought when they were playing together. And then you miss Olinick for a month after that and then as soon as you now so that broke that up and then as soon as you get Olinick back to put that together as, as soon as Olinick was pretty much on the verge of coming back I believe the Rockets game was the first game he was listed as questionable at right. was then he was questionable for Rockets questionable for uh, and then he's you know uh, the th- Pacers, and then he's back gotten back in it. So, but technically, as soon as Olenna comes back, then Crowder comes out, and that messes it up again.
0: Yeah, and, and listen. So, I guess if you're a Celtics fan, that's that's sort of like the silver lining here is that if you can get everybody healthy again for the postseason, then okay, maybe things kind of fall back into place, and you're you're back to. To the team that we saw, like you said, coming either before the break or right after the break, Um, and and that's encouraging. But you know, still, you know, we see it with Kelly. He's kind of working his way back. He's unsure. He's uncertain. He's got to get that confidence back and his shot. And that was a problem for the first half of the year anyway. Uh, So you got to get these guys not only healthy, but you got to get them playing at a high level again. So that just adds a little bit of moving parts. And it doesn't help that the Heat are all surging right now and muddying things up in the in the middle of the Eastern Conference. I do think it's funny that that, You know, uh, two weeks ago we're sitting in the locker room going, uh, uh, "Jake Crowder, do you think you're gonna, you guys are going to catch the Toronto Raptors?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, we got a chance. We're playing so well." And now we're sitting here saying, "Hey guys, you're going to avoid sliding out of the playoffs." No, they're,
1: they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be in the playoffs. In fact, we're already yeah, talking. Then, no. We're already talking about giving away playoff tickets on this show. We're going to announce that later in the show. So I mean, they're they're in the playoffs. So I think what is it? Detroit is something like 35, 30, 36, and thirty four. I don't even know where they are, but I think Boston is at least four games up. But
0: yeah, they're I good. mean,
1: um. And that's going to change, obviously. They're, I mean, I don't make predictions on the show, and the reason for why is because it's just ego alone because I'm just so bad at making them. And if I make <laughs> them, like if they – if whenever I make them, it, it's like perfect fodder for people to say, oh, you're an idiot because you, you said this was going to happen and it didn't. And you know what? I agree. So that's sort of the reasons why. But I'm safely going to put these next two games in the bank for the Celtics. And then Wednesday's game against Toronto, uh, that's a little iffy. And I, I – I know Phoenix is playing a little bit better with Brandon Knight back but yeah, they th- think yeah that that's, that's a win. Um, but and I so if
0: you steal, but listen if you steal that Toronto game all of a sudden you're four, four in a three row. over your last half. You yeah, know it's like four in a row. No it's, it's right it, right thing.
1: now too, if you even look at it if they just won that Rockets game and they closed that homestand with that win and yeah. you were they were due for a clunker I know. And they don't have the guy to close those games like Houston. I don't want to, you know, lament on that Houston game. We say, well, they were able to go down to James Harden down the stretch when both those teams are really struggling offensively and the Celtics don't have that guy. But that was the game where if they just won the Houston game, even if they lost the three this week, and like I said, they were underdogs in all these games. One of them was on a pretty rough back to back. You come back home and play Oklahoma City. I don't think it's, I, I don't, I'm, I'm just not really fretting over it. And, I just still look back to the Houston game where you say, well, if they just had this, if they just had that guy, like if they just had Durant, if they only had Durant, what a get pickup there. he'd be. Larry,
0: Larry, are you feeling all right? You're like way too optimistic for me today. Like I feel like you're in a really good place.
1: I, I go along with the weather. <laughs> and the storm. If it dodges us. In the yeah, storm.
0: the storm that's out of the way now. <laughs> We're good. It's all sunshine and puppy dogs. Well,
1: uh, listen – I, I've drifted a lot, really, from this season. I personally think for, I, this really sort of gets into something I wanted to talk about anyways. Jeff Clark wrote a piece up on Celtics blog sometime earlier in the week. Like, the week for me is just a big pile of mush. But there was uh, sometime up earlier in the week where he was talking about what is a, sel- a, a successful season. And I've sort of now come to... The conclusion that I think everything that you've gone into this season with, if you look at this team from a big picture in terms of team and individual improvement, I think that's all there now. Like you're, you've seen this team now, they are able to win those close games where at the beginning of the year, and well, last year they were, but at the beginning of the year they were just terrible in these close situations. Now they're good in the, those situations. So when I saw that article, and I was even thinking of it myself, like, what what is technically a successful season for the Celtics? If you look at it from just a concrete standpoint of, you know, first round, second round, the NBA finals. (laughs) Obviously, I know you post that every single week, the BPI projections. (laughs) Um, But I think, too, unless they got swept in the first round, I think they've already accomplished so much from a team standpoint this year that unless, like I said, if they got swept, you don't want to replicate last year.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like it, the worst thing could be a sweep because then you don't make any progress off of last season. But you know, I almost agree. Like they've they've shown so much progress to this point that even if they somehow got a difficult first round matchup, if there was an injury and they got bounced in the first round for some reason, it's not the end of the world. Like you, you could explain that away. You still got May seventeenth when the ping pong balls could give you the biggest. Oh, it's benefit on the
1: seventeenth. Oh, what an omen. Is it your birthday Just, or something? No. Remember the Celtics won the 17th oh, championship on June 17th? Now we got yeah. May 17th. At least it's not on May 22nd. Ooh. Well, is that a bit? <laughs> Well, May 22nd, 2000. Chris, come on. You, you know me, man. I got all these dates. You got like, like your numerology in out
0: there. Uh, May 22nd,
1: 2007. One of the darkest days in the, history oh, of, yes, in, the, yes. in the history of our great sport. Of course, it ended up being okay. Like It, it, up it, ended,
0: it ended up Isn't working that- out. And, and we're going to have to remind people of that as we get closer to May 17th is that, remember, if the ping pong balls don't bounce their way, that, hey, Danny still I mean, has a, they a chance. <laughs> oh, they never do. They never do. You
1: guys do a pretty good job reminding everybody of all the assets the Celtics have.
0: <laughs> but and that's an important part of this is that, again, so you – even if, I think if if you get to the playoffs and you win a first-round series – you know, that's super encouraging because that's another thing for free agents to see. You that know, is. who knows what happens in the second round, third, whatever. Like, I, I'm, I know I know the It is
1: finals. completely bonus time if they even want a first round series because when I watch this team and, like, I was just talking about of all the improvements they've made and how they're able to play in these 10 situations, I think they've come along so far there. Remember, it was not until January 16th of this year until the Celtics team won a game where they. Did not have a ten point lead in. Like I remember, Brian Scalabrini <laughs> brought that up on the show. I was flabbergasted when I heard it, and <laughs> as I was talking about, "Geez, Brian, you know this team just doesn't seem to play well." in, you know, in these ten situations, they seem to be pretty much front runners. He's like, "You're absolutely right. They haven't won a game where they have a ten point lead." It wasn't until they beat the Wizards in Washington on January sixteenth yeah. that changed. And right, now yeah. they're they're much better there. And there's been plenty of individual improvement. I mean, just go up and down the roster. I can't believe the season Jared Sullinger's having, even though he did not play very well Friday night.
0: So, so let sure. let's, let me throw one at you. Let, so okay, so we agree this sell this you know get to the playoffs let's say they win a first round series who knows what happens in round well, two i'm just worried
1: get... in the first round just because this is where i think that's going to hurt them where the, the the old they don't have that guy thing yeah. that's where it's going to hurt them in the playoffs they don't have that guy and they still have a glaring weakness where they get beat up a lot in the paint but
0: what, what about the advantage of brad stevens locking in an, an opponent for a seven game series i know that didn't help them last year. yeah i was about to say awkward. you know
1: i mean i know he's such a great coach and everything but i mean <laughs> You know, it's, it, he's, still, it, he's still technically a rookie coach in the playoffs. No doubt. No uh, although doubt. last year, I know, like, we all forget about it. But, but let's dream
0: the... big. Let's dream big. They get through the first round. Oh, and well, we are. Somebody, and then all of a sudden, uh, let's say they, they play Toronto tough in the second round, but get bounced in six games. So they go into the, the offseason. Who knows what the ping pong balls do? Let's let's say they get a, a decent pick, but not a great pick. Three, four, five. Well, I don't know where it ends up. Where, Uh, and tying it all into the big hype of the week, are they a player for a big free agent?
1: I think so, and I've been I've been drumming up the Durant thing on this show for a while, Chris. I actually got a head start on it a few weeks ago because I knew this is where we were going to be going as soon as we got close to that March 16th matchup because I knew that was going to be. And, I mean, I think there's no if, ands, or buts about it. If they do go deep in the playoffs, God forbid, if they make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals, not only does that obviously just get that perception of – Oh, wow, look at the Celtics. You know, they're they're, they're this close to the NBA Finals. Kevin, just imagine what you would do for that team if you signed with them. But getting there and being in these playoff games, that drums up this environment that the national media can go on. And that's why I've created this Kevin Durant Super Pack where (laughs) the national media can talk about the Celtics. Every single day, they're leading off Sports Center first. T- I'm not leading off, but they're being discussed at nauseum yeah. on sports. and that just creates. You just have, you know, repetition is something that the old saying: you repeat a lot, you you say something enough, eventually the people believe it. You have the Celtics just in the national landscape every single day, all the way until late May. I think that creates an environment for free agents, and I think that does create an environment for. I, I nobody hates rumors and possibilities and trade ideas more than me. I hate it. I think it's nothing but clickbait. I think it's just the way the media does it. But if you just look at it from the standpoint, I actually do think the Celtics have a very good shot at Kevin Durant.
0: Yeah, and, and like and that was the point of the article this week that that, that we wrote on the on the on this the day. Oh, because, we? I thought you wrote it. Well, I wrote it, but I hate, I, I hate putting the spotlight on myself. So yeah, I, was just... I, I it, was, it was it was something that I could have wrote at any point, right? Like because it doesn't have to necessarily be. Yeah, it coincidentally, Kevin went up the day
1: of a nationally broadcast. Exactly. It's, game. I mean, it's just no it's, it, because whatsoever.
0: he's also the biggest fish in the pond, and the the idea is if the Celtics have a chance to bring if if they could lure Kevin Durant here even just for a meeting to talk to give him the sales pitch then you know then they're in play for anybody and i think actually that would be huge like even if Kevin Durant decides to go back to Oklahoma City i hope he at least explores a little bit and whether he's just setting up for the for for one more year later when he when he can sign the 10 years of, of service max 33% yeah, see, of the, the cap that's the one
1: that 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 scares me howard beck brought that up on this show a few weeks ago When he said that, you know, now now Manek has sort of jumped on it as well, where it's signed that one-year deal and then take another shot at it again when the cap goes way up in the summer of 2017, and that allows them, him, Westbrook, and Ibaka to all enter free agency. So that just that actually makes like perfect sense for Durant because then he can go in and say, okay. We're all giving this thing one more chance. And then if he does leave, he's not looked at as the bad guy. But it's not a good I mean, I think the celt I personally think the Celts are in a good enough position, as good of a position as they possibly could be in if you just look at process of elimination. Washington and in Los Angeles, who we've talked about in years past, forget about it, they're out. Right. The Spurs or Golden State is like I've said on this show, that's the giant joining the NWO after Hogan beat him for the belt. <laughs> that's just like <laughs> appall- a great, that's appalling. that's appalling. That's not gonna happen. So then that leaves the Celtics, right? The Celtics or the Thunder.
0: I kinda wish the Celtics were the NWO though. They're not. They're not. But, but not. maybe someday.
1: No, the twenty eleven Miami Heat. That's that that's that they yeah. should have been the NWO, but because they had to worry too much because LeBron was too worried about sponsors and selling us junk, he couldn't go all ninety seven Hogan on us, which would have been friggin' gold if he came out to voodoo child and just started posing all the time. But if we start going to that man, we're gonna start like we're gonna throw the show way off. <laughs> I surprise that this is probably why I said, you know, the only thing now that's just to get us back here on the Celtics talk, Chris, the sure. only thing that concerns me about Kevin Durant signing with the Celtics, and of course, what a great pickup he'd be. Is what would that do for Jordan Mickey's playing time?
0: <laughs> you don't you don't want to cut into a, cut into the, the the franchise's playing time when uh by, by Michael by,
1: Jordan by some, Mickey.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, th- can we talk about that too? Like, what do you what have you thought of the youngsters? It's been weird. Like Brad's kind of throwing darts at times this week you feel like he, he gave the first opportunity to let's see terry rogier and then he came back with rj on friday mickey got a well, a, a well, first well quarter i know run. that's your that's
1: that's your little wrestling uh little <laughs> wrestling pseudonym is the hype train conductor but I I, I I i i'm getting those guys on the train out of town if we, oh maybe, man wow there, there's
0: mickey, the negativity i wanted i
1: Mickey, I've people have asked me about him. Like I remember I was on a pregame show with Patrick Gilroy up in New Hampshire, ESPN New Hampshire. I was like the first thing he talked to me about was like was Jordan Mickey. I was like <laughs> I just started laughing. I was, I was leading I mean, off the conversation. I, I was like
0: I was like but
1: <laughs> I thought he, you know he brought up a good point and this is sort of how I felt about Mickey was I think that the Celtics should have been giving him 4 to 6 minutes here and there sure. in the second quarter just because you know, you've seen now with Crowder. You've seen now with all these guys, and they've been one of the healthiest teams in the league. I believe you're the one who pointed that out, or yeah, somewhere uh, and somewhere in uh, somewhere on the internet. Now it just gets thrown. At, it's
0: just sm- everything is there's so much everything's jumbled. Everything. Like, I know. I, I do the same thing. I sit there and I go. Someone tweeted something great last week, and I don't know <laughs> yeah, who it was. I, I or know where and you it feel was. like a
1: jackass, not for saying like you know, yeah. giving the
0: appropriate credit.
1: But you've seen. <laughs> you, you, there's still an injury away, and they've been very fortunate at the forward position. I believe. I can't believe Jared Sullinger's lasted this long. Amir Johnson, he's got to have something wrong with him now at this point. I know he's got the plantar fasciitis, but I just feel like that looks a little sketchy there. Yeah,
0: they and couldn't I, even play him in the fourth quarter. I just
1: think that like, if they had played Mickey four to six minutes, that's just sort of insurance for, let's say, right. if Sullinger does go out, which is a— That's a possibility. Or Amir Johnson does go out. That's a possibility. Then all of a sudden you got to give the dude 15, 20 minutes a game. So at least if you were playing him four to five minutes earlier in the year or even a few weeks ago, actually. I mean earlier in the year he was up in Maine, and I know that was very productive for him. But just if you gave him those minutes, then you're not exactly throwing him to the fire if there is another doomsday scenario with guys being hurt.
0: Yeah, and this is the problem with the Celtics always seemingly facing a 10-point first-half deficit, even in the games they win, is that they're fighting back so much, and then even if they win, and even if they win slightly comfortable, it's still like, you know, some of these games they won't play Geno at because they're up 20 with like three minutes to go, then they're up with a minute to go, so it it, it gets dicey, and, and Brad's leaving leaving more veterans out there, so you don't even get that little bit of trash time to to let these guys at least get a taste of the game and develop. I agree. Like it's a, it's a difficult balance. I think maybe it's the, the the most challenging thing for Brad right now is that. In part because they were so healthy, they didn't have this opportunity to, to kind of work these guys in. And you didn't need to go past nine since probably mid-January when you when you got rid of David Lee. Yeah, put the David Lee thing, that was a big thing. But now Yeah, uh, and, and so so it's just – it's, it's biting them a little bit right now. And the fact that they don't have – like we, we opened this with, the natural depth behind Crowder makes it a little bit more difficult. So, uh, you know, but all things considered, like if that's your worst problem, not not a huge deal. I, I'm still encouraged by the glimpses we've seen. At least RJ Hunter has shown a little something uh making a couple threes last night had a bad pass during a, uh that that turnover to, uh, on friday but um it's still encouraging to see the younger guys and i i know people you know, listen hype train is 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 funny to me because it's it's the fact that people overblow these people and lead off conversations with jordan mickey but you know these guys might just be important down the road whether you're trade assets or so it's it is important to develop them and, and get them moving forward
1: All right, this technically is the pregame segment, and I've made a point all year not to do any pregames for Philadelphia 76ers games (laughs) because they do not deserve one ounce of my oxygen. They do not deserve an ounce of my oxygen. We're not going to – so I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to say, Chris, what are the keys to tonight's game?
0: Can we give give Philadelphia at least one bit of credit? One, they have great early start times to their games, including tonight at at 6 o'clock on a Sunday, which isn't bad. But most nights they're 7 o'clock. And they had Naughty by Nature for halftime on Friday night. So they at least give their fans some additional entertainment as opposed to youth basketball that we uh, enjoy at selfish games. I, I we could do a whole show on halftime. Maybe over the summer we'll do that because the, it, it needs to be. Addressed. It's gonna go to that.
1: It's it's gonna go to that. <laughs> it's gonna go to that one bad night. But I know I know what you're up, point. People are now complaining about the kids games.
0: You go to other le- arenas in the league, and halftime is actually pretty entertaining. And it, even if it's quick change or, <laughs> or a uh,
1: wrestling match, we get the oh NW, we, get, we get the N.W.O. back.
0: I feel like we had that – I'm going to forget now. I think Atlanta brought out some, like, WCW guys back in the day. And and I just totally marked out and and had fun with that. But as for tonight's game, I think the keys are, one, you know, not letting this little losing streak completely consume them and say they somehow come out of the gate. It's like, you know – Philadelphia does the same thing every time. They're feisty. They come out. They're long. They're athletic. They flush the you. They get every rebound. Like at least on the offensive glass against the Celtics because they're so undersized. There's a chance like the Celtics could fall behind. Like they just can't. All of a sudden start shaking and get get nervous. They just need to play their game. Understand that even without Crowder, there's talent here. That guys are some guys are in a funk. Smart. You know, even Turner hasn't been himself just because he hasn't had a defined role since Crowder went down. Uh, these guys, if they can get themselves going, there's a chance to build confidence here. They need some confidence because Orlando gave them fits down there. They've, they should come back and win that game on Monday night. But uh, Philly, they just got to get going on the right track, get, get themselves back on pace, sort of just get themselves mentally better. And they'll they, they, there should be no problem with that game. Like, let's face it, you know, it's Philly.
1: ESPN's Chris Forsberg, who covers the Boston Celtics for the worldwide leader, you can follow Chris at ESPN Forsberg. Yo.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Larry. Always fun. And I'm holding you to it. We're doing a whole halftime show uh, during the off.
1: (laughs) We're going to put that that as a bonus episode, dude.
0: (laughs) It'll be the highest downloaded show of
1: all time. (laughs) We'll we'll see about that. Stay with (laughs) us here. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, critically acclaimed author and host of Celtics Beat. And I'm privileged to be joined by Daryl Conant, former U.S. Olympic Committee strength coach and one of the leading strength and condition specialists in America. Daryl, thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here, Larry. Thank you. Daryl, you're a student of the legendary bodybuilder Vince Gironda. Tell me a bit more about Vince. Vince Gironda was considered the pioneer of pure
2: natural bodybuilding. His training methods and nutritional concepts are still being incorporated in many gyms throughout the world today, and I had the privilege myself of having him as my mentor. How can we learn more about the methods of the Iron Guru? As a student of Vince Gironda, I always wanted to give back to Vince in some way. I wrote a book entitled Invincible that depicts many of Vince's programs and nutritional theories that he taught me. For more information on this book, folks can visit my website at www.darylcurrant.com.
1: Carol, Vince had so many methods and ideas for achieving optimal health.
2: Care to share any while we're here? One of Vince's most popular nutritional concepts was his recommendation of eating organic grass-fed beef to build muscle. Organic red meat is loaded with nutrients necessary for building quality muscle. As Vince would always say to me, you must eat the type of food that the muscle is made out of, red meat. Get on that path of effortless fat loss and
1: optimal health by following the appropriate nutritional methods and get it from the country's leading organic meat brand. American Farmers Network at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Thanks for staying with us here on CLNS Radio. Today's featured guest segment, Seku Smith, coming up very shortly. But got some business we got to get to because, as promised on this show, we were announced the winner of the latest ticket giveaway courtesy of some of our great sponsors. And you, who continuously listen week after week, making it the number one weekly Celtics podcast online for the last four years running now. Small, small way that we're here at CLNS Radio to sort of give back. But last few weeks, we've been talking about it. Our latest drawing required a subscription and a review for Celtics Beat on iTunes. And the winner was to get a doozy pair of seats for this Wednesday's rematch against the Toronto Raptors. Here we go. It goes to... Boston 617 lady that is Boston 617 lady congratulations and enjoy Wednesday's game hopefully hopefully you can provide a little luck and fortune with your presence there on Wednesday and see the Celts get their first and only win against the Raptors this season after the Toronto's taken the first 3 here but want to thank all those who participated those who subscribe and review us on iTunes that really really means a lot please continue to do so obviously but that's why we have those contests Those who do subscribe to this show on iTunes and who have given us a review. Again, we thank you. We love. If everyone could take the time to do this, it takes no more than 10, 20 seconds, and it really helps this show. Real quick, got two more games left to give away. Wednesday, April 6th against Anthony Davis and the New Orleans Pelicans. Enter that by simply liking Celtics Beat on Facebook, facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Simply give that page a like and you're in. Monday, April 11th, follow at CLNS underscore LHR on Twitter. That is at CLNS underscore LHR. And you're in the drawing for that pair of tickets. And we will also be giving away tickets to playoff games on this show. No, the Celtics have not clinched yet, which is why we haven't really listed much of the details. But it's safe to assume that they're going to be in the postseason now. So we're going to start putting the feelers out there. Yes, we will be giving away playoff tickets on this broadcast. So goes without saying, stay tuned here for more details. Follow us on our Facebook. Again, facebook.com slash and our Twitter at Celtics underscore Beat for up-to-the-date details as these days go on. But so thankful to all those who participated in these contests. We're going to be giving away more, so yes, stay tuned. We got that going for this show. We also have great guests, great, great guests week after week because of the audience, what they've created. Such a form for these great people to come in here like Chris Forsberg, who you just heard earlier. And now, here we go, our good friend, Mr. Sekou Smith, back for yet another go-around with us. Fitting, too, that today's featured interview here on Solid Speed is brought to you by Geek. Getting tickets? Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated, and they all try to sneak in huge fees at checkout, and that is why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Miss out on those Raptors tickets that we were just giving away, and you still really want to go to Wednesday's huge rematch to see two of the top teams battle it out in the Eastern Conference or playoff positioning. Not to worry, the SeatGeek app, they've got you covered. It's the best ticket aggregator anywhere. There's no questions asked because SeatGeek, they are always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, they show you the full ticket price from start to finish, and they never try to trick you with huge fees on the checkout page. And here's the real kicker. Listeners of Speak get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase to get your $20 rebate on tickets, just download the free SeatGeek app. Go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code and enter promo code CELTICSBEAT, all one word. And then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code CELTICSBEAT today. Thank you, SeatGeek, for the great, great app and that great deal. Most importantly... We're presenting today's featured interview today on Celtics beat with Turner Sports, Seku Smith, the exclusive home of the NBA's Western Conference Finals, and also covering that that little college tournament deal. I, I totally forgot that, that was that was taking place.
2: Really, yeah. you you about the only person
1: who forgot. I, about it. I, you know, I was doing a Celtics pregame show earlier in the week, and I was ripping off the Brooklyn Nets schedule because of the draft picks they owe the Celtics, and I saw them on at eight o'clock Thursday night in Chicago, and I was like, "Good God, don't tell me that's the." The TNT game. If Charles is calling in sick for that one. If, if that was, the, then I said, then I realized, like, I was like, Oh, oh yeah, that, that, that tournament thing is going on. And I, I know everyone's watching that. So the NBAs can kind of realize they can load up the schedule with snoozers on
2: Thursday and get away with it. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, the scheduling guys always, uh, plan for the start of March Madness. Um, you know, and it's a, it's a tough deal because so many people are watching the tournament. Um, throughout the you know the course of those first few so days many people. you know so you have to you have to ask yourself if you're scheduling NBA games what could you put on a Thursday night that would either compete with that or you don't want it to compete with that and that's why we get the game uh, you mentioned there
1: yeah i was i was probably going to mention probably just you but i'm just so happy to have you back here especially now that i can talk Celtics with you because I know they didn't have the best week, but I'm just happy I can get people like you in here and not put up put you guys through a torture chamber by wasting an ounce of breath on them in some of the leaner past years. But again, a little bit of a tough week for them. All eyes were them on Wednesday when they got mashed against Oklahoma City, but relevant enough in the NBA landscape sooner than many expected. So let it loose, man. Let it rip on them.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt that, that Brad Stevens has been um, a breath of fresh air for that franchise in terms of his demeanor and the way he operates and and the response he's gotten from those players. You know, I, I remember when Danny Ainge first hired him and there were a lot of skeptics, you know, that didn't think he'd be able to do the same things with an NBA team that he did with those teams at Butler, you know, where he really squeezed every ounce of talent and ability out of those guys who played for him in the college ranks. But I think he shut up a lot of people by showing you that he, you know, a great coach isn't going to be hindered by um, what level he's at or circumstance. He's going to find a way to connect with his players and get the most out of them. And I, I know he's not the most colorful quote and he's not a glory hound in any, you know, sense of the, of the phrase, but I really think he's one of the bright young coaches in all the basketball at any level. And a guy who has a chance to really put a stamp, you know some things in Boston over the course of the next few years there's a
1: storyline around this team one of the many storylines around this team in this area in Boston here Sekou is that the Celtics need to get here in the playoffs or there in the playoffs for it to be a successful season I gotta ask you because if everything in Boston is regarding the future and championships and yada 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 how important is a playoff push at all for this team I sort of draw some similarities where these Celtics are to where the Lakers were in the mid-90s, where they kind of rebuilt pretty quickly after they had some sudden retirements from Magic Johnson and James Worthy. And it sort of reminds me where, you know, the Van Exel, Eddie Jones, Lakers were in the mid-90s. If you remember that team at all, they had a few nice years there, but they never really had any deep playoff runs. But that had a lot of value because, you know, sure enough, Shaq signed on to a team that came off back-to-back 51 seasons.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know that, you know, what the comparison would be. I think it's such a different day in the league, um, you know, when when teams and, and franchises are really exhausting all their resources to figure out ways to build consistent playoff, you know, teams. And everybody knows you can go out in free agency if you have the resources and, and the attraction from uh, these guys who are on the market and and build a, a championship contender overnight. You know, it's been done, um, of course, in Boston years ago with Kevin Garnett and, and Ray Allen joining Paul Pierce, and certainly in Miami when LeBron James and Chris Bosh joined Dwayne Wade there. Um, but I think the model's different now. I think you're going to see a lot of teams try and do what the Golden State Warriors have done, which is really strategically craft your roster based on the draft and in your idea of what you want the fabric of a team to look like, I think, you know, no, you're not going to land a, a Stephen Curry every draft. You're not going to get that lucky. And and you might not get lucky enough to mine the second round and get a Draymond green type, but you are going to have a chance to put together solid pieces year after year when you're talking about rebuilding and trying to become a, a playoff contender. and and something more. And you do that with a really shrewd mix of draft picks and quality free agent acquisitions or trades, you know, and it's become a more complex matrix than just going out and landing a big fish and building a team around, you know, that kind of player because I think it takes an ensemble cast in this era. Gone are the days when you can find just one guy and put a championship team around him on the fly.
1: Is that really because – that with the cap increasing in the next few years, we're likely going to go back to how teams were built in the '80s, where you see how good Golden State is, and even obviously, of course, the Spurs. How we always seem to forget about the Spurs. With with it, with the salary, the cap's going to go up. That means you're going to be able to fill your team with some better players, bring some all-stars like an Andre Iguodala off the bench. Is that the reason why now, where like you said, it's not it's more than just one or two guys. You're seeing that with Houston, they kind of flopped where this is where it's going to go. You're going to go back to seeing what we saw in the eighties, where you saw teams go four to six deep.
2: Yeah. I think it's a, I think we're in a new era, um, where you can no longer, you know, do the 10 pole superstar, you know, build. It's gotta be something that's more sustainable, you know, because we're in a situation now where, like you said, the cap is going to increase this summer and next, um, then of course we'll you know we'll see what kind of work the union and the league can get done to avoid any sort of work stoppage um in two summers but i don't think and this is not a knock on this era's players but i'm not sure there are quality players that you could build around like that anymore you know i I don't know that there's going to be a shack you know that oh there's not one of those guys this summer that's a free agent (laughs) yeah you know i mean as great a player as kevin Durant is I don't know that you could build a team. If he shows up somewhere fresh, you start from scratch. That's, that's just not going to be enough. When you're talking about dealing with teams who have those ensemble casts. Cleveland is an interesting team to me in that respect, because they're trying to duplicate a model that Miami did um, with guys who are not as accomplished as Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh were when LeBron James joined forces with them. It's a different, it's a different makeup in the league right now. And it's, it's going to be rare to me when you find that player who you can switch, just one player that can switch teams and change the balance of power. LeBron is, he's a dinosaur in that respect, in that he's hes the only guy I can think of in this era who the minute he sets foot in your franchise, the fortunes change. I don't know that there are other guys that could take a team that's been in the lottery four years and instantly put them in the finals when he shows up. That's a very difficult thing to do.
1: I would I would suffice to say Kevin Durant would be that guy. And this is obviously where, of course, you sort of tie that whole Kevin Durant to Boston thing, which I, we have to get there just based on the fact of the intrigue alone of it and because I've been really drumming it up the last two weeks. But you mentioned really kind of a good point. I want to touch upon this really briefly about Cleveland. They're a year and a half in, and it really hasn't like worked out awesome for them. But people forget Miami, when they were a year and a half went in, it didn't really work out all that well for them either, and there were times. I mean, if you recall, when the Celtics got up three-two on them in the conference finals back in twenty twelve, I mean, they were t- there was talk about breaking up that team. What a colossal failure that whole thing was! And then they beat the Celtics, and they beat sort of an unprepared goal, uh, Golden State, uh, Oklahoma City team, and then they were they were champions, and they ended up repeating. I just think they're sort of the Cavs are almost exactly where the twenty twelve Heat were. They're very good but they're not historic like Golden State and San Antonio is, and that's likely going to freeze LeBron where he's at for the next year or two. So we're, I think we're putting a little too much on LeBron just for that
2: alone. I, you know what? I, I've i had m- differing opinions on LeBron over the years, um, but watching him go to Miami and, and really change the the context of his career by winning those titles there and then seeing him leave there, go back to a Cleveland situation that was an absolute dumpster fire in his absence and immediately lift them back up into the elite category in the league Um was, I wouldn't say it was stunning, but it was a revelation for me in terms of it gave me a sense of truly how impactful a player he is. I mean, he left Miami and they immediately dropped back to the pack, you know, in, in terms of, where they stood in the league and you know what kind of team they were, and I, you know, obviously some of that is due to injuries, you know, and situate, you know, health situations that Chris Bosh had to deal with this that, and the other. But to me, if 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 my mere presence alone mandates we're a contender, and and this is to take nothing from Kevin Durant, but we don't know if he's that kind of player. LeBron. Oh, if,
1: if Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City, they're a lottery team every year
2: with yeah, Russell but I'm Westbrook. We even. don't know if the team he goes to instantly becomes a contender. We don't know that he's he's always had a second guy playing with him in Russell Westbrook, who's as much a part of that matrix as he is in terms of them being a contender and being one of the better teams in the league. I'm not saying he's not that guy. I'm telling you, we don't know for certain if he's that kind of guy.
1: I'd be willing to take that gamble to find out if you told me hypothetically that he'd be in a Celtics uniform next year. And I think that's Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any fan base in the league that wouldn't be willing to take that risk. But it's a different thing when you know. When, uh, listen, we know LeBron is that type of player. It's it's proven. We have the, it's not guessing, it's not analytics. We have the hard facts. Yeah,
1: no, he took a bunch of bums to the finals. People forget that. It was way back, you know, almost 10 years ago now, but he took five, yeah. five guys named Fred of the finals uh, against Detroit.
2: I mean, it's just, a, It's it, listen, it's just whether you like him or not, Whether you respect him or not, the facts of his career bear out that he's one of the truly impactful, singular stars the league has seen. It's just a very rare thing for a guy to go from the places he's gone. I mean, he left Cleveland. They had been to a a finals when he was in Cleveland during the first round. He went to four straight in Miami, comes back to Cleveland, and they go again. That's 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 not a coincidence when he's the common denominator in those situations.
1: No, it's not a coincidence at all. It's always been the one I've I've always argued that. Geez, I mean, I, I, I mean, I've always argued that I've taken not always. I mean, I think in the certain the last few years, I've always put him on my all time team, over Bird. Now the last few years, largely because he's just going to do this longer than Larry has, because Larry ran out of some injury issues from mowing his own lawn and doing stuff like that that guys today I guess would never dream of doing, but. I just don't think that you can sort of compare that at all. Like we're saying that Durant, well, we've never seen Durant do it because, I mean, first off, Durant was out West. You're not going to take a team like, you know, LeBron did take a bunch of jabronis to the finals in 07 with, but that was in the Eastern Conference and they got, you know, rammed up the behind by San Antonio in that finals. Kevin Durant's not, even in a hypothetical situation, is not going to take, uh, if you're if in the Western Conference, it's not going to happen when you got to go through Golden State and San Antonio every year, which is why a lot of people are – a lot of people I'm using the old Fox News, some people say type of deal. But some people say that Kevin Durant should go out east so that way he doesn't have to run into that buzzsaw every year. And then if he can drag a team to the NBA finals, then you only have to beat one of San Antonio or one of Golden State or one of these any Western juggernauts.
2: you know, I think – Kevin, and this is this is where I really – you know, split the road with a lot of people about a guy like Durant. I don't see Kevin Durant as being a guy who lacks the confidence in himself, his game, and whatever team he's on that they would have to run away from the challenges in the Western Conference. You know, that it's tougher there and you go East and you have a better road theoretically to uh, or better path, you know, easier path getting to the championship level in the East. I think And and this is just me spitballing, you know, with different people about it over the past few weeks and months. Uh, Having been in Oklahoma City for a fan night game um, a couple months back and really soaking in this notion of Durant spending, you know, more than a decade in Oklahoma City as the, you know, franchise pillar. And I just, I don't see how he would stay there for the, you know, duration of his career. Um, and I don't see him chasing an easier road anywhere else. The the one thing I mentioned to Isaiah Thomas, um, the Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas, uh, who uh work alongside at NBA TV, we were talking on the set one night, and my my idea, if I was Oklahoma City and there was a chance I'm going to lose Kevin Durant to free agency without any compensation, with you know, he can just walk away, I would – Place a call to Doc Rivers in the Los Angeles Clippers and ask them: Are you interested in a Blake Griffin for Kevin Durant swap to bring a guy from Oklahoma City who would be instant, you know, marquee recognition and familiarity with the fan base there in Oklahoma? Would you be willing to make that deal, knowing that you could lose Durant outright without any compensation if he walks as a, as a free agent? And I would make. The Clippers and Doc Rivers really think about that, and I don't think it will take them long to say, "Hell yes, we do."
1: Yeah, Adrian Wojnarowski, I believe, on the vertical discussed that in one of his road reports uh, right before the trade deadline. I believe as a possibility this summer that Blake Griffin, right. Durant, sign in trade swap.
2: I mean, I don't, I don't see any reason why if 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 you're Oklahoma City and you've already watched James Harden leave the flock for whatever reason. You know, it, or obviously, or you LeBron
1: know. with Cleveland the first go-around, Shaq Absolutely. in L.A. Or Shaq I mean, there's
2: with Orlando, no way me. I'm taking a risk of losing a guy of Kevin Durant's caliber, a once-in-a-generation talent for a franchise, any franchise. Those guys don't come along often. If I'm going to run the risk of losing him, I'm going to exhaust all my options in terms of figuring out the best way to mitigate the damage, and Blake Griffin would be an awesome Awesome.
1: He's a local kid.
2: Fill in for, you know, for for that situation. He's a local guy who I'm sure he loves L.A., but, you know, there's a time limit for guys everywhere. And I think if you're the Clippers and you can't get over the hump this year, you start looking at it and saying maybe we need to change our DNA. And maybe Durant is the guy paired with Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan and the rest of that supporting cast in Clipperland that could take us to that next level. I'm just saying if we're going to play that game, why not, you know, play it with all your, your tips pushed into the middle of the table. To me, that would be a huge, you know, huge move for Sam Presti in, in Oklahoma city, because the thought of losing James Harden and then potentially Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, Within a you know six seven year span. Oh, it's it's
1: the '90s it's Orlando Magic. Fathomably. It's the '90s Orlando Magic all over again with Shaq and Penny, and exactly. even you would gut East, a
2: franchise. Yeah. You would gut a franchise because you couldn't figure out a way to keep together players that you drafted. Now these aren't guys that you know they they had to go out and get somewhere else. They drafted all these guys.
1: There's a lot of franchises that are really up against the end of the window with expiration dates. I think the Clippers and the Oklahoma City Thunder they're right there. There's something I think that's really interesting, though, because it just sort of, you know, rekindled my mind thinking about this when we're talking about superstar acts in a place like Oklahoma City. Look, I mean, Golden State's a big market because that's technically San Francisco. That's the Bay Area. Big players in main, not quite major markets. Not like you know, Chicago, New York, LA. How much has changed over the years with free agents in the NBA? Now that the league's outreach is global, obviously, you know, the World Wide Web and everything, social media. That being in a major market just doesn't hold the water that it does anymore and winning and continuously being on television for games is of utmost premium.
2: I think the landscape changed with two guys. LeBron James first in Cleveland taking a team that was you know I I remember going to games before LeBron covering games in Cleveland before LeBron showed up and you talk about one of the
1: uh, it must have One been, of the it was, worst athletes in the terrible' league. It, it, was, it awful. was just
2: pathetic. You know, they, no fans, and he comes and shows you the power of a true transcendent superstar who can change not only the franchise; he changed Cleveland, that whole district down there. Oh, he saved that economy. Know, the arena. Yes, it's a totally different world. And the other guy who I I think about when when I think about a guy who made it not necessarily cool to play in a in a smaller market. But what Dwight Howard did, you know, before he left Orlando, got a new arena built, was the most popular player based on fan voting for the All-Star game that year in the league. He had more votes than anyone. I mean, in Orlando, it's nobody's big market. And he made it cool to be wherever you were because he not only won and took a team to the finals, but he was a marquee commercial crossover superstar. So you can do it somewhere other than one of the four or five biggest markets in the league. This idea that you have to be in New York or L.A. is is a thing of the past. But I still think those markets hold sway a lot of times for the notion that, hey, you go there and do it and, and do it big, you know, and you become a star that's even more significant than you would be in Milwaukee or Charlotte. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't think we can kid ourselves. and and not understand the difference between playing in a New York and LA or Chicago or wherever compared to those markets. But it doesn't, it doesn't carry the same weight as you mentioned that it did a generation or two ago. And I think this is where it's going to be interesting to see in the next few years, how the ball bounces in the draft, you know, and, and which teams get their hands on those transcendent stars in the draft, because that also has a lot to do with it. You know, San Antonio is nobody's dynasty if the ping-pong ball, Oh, don't talk about different. that. Don't talk about... <laughs> oh, you, know you know where they
1: were going with that. Exactly. Oh,
2: so, I mean, it's just a lot of times... I cried it's my eyes out. <laughs> I was
1: 11 years old, so I had a reason to. Even, even sometimes when people bring that up, I just, it's just, it just gives me horrible flashbacks.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... I mean, in its history and the distance from these events is what gives us the perspective we have now, obviously. But we're in a different era. You can be a global superstar and play in Cleveland. It's, it's been done.
1: It's the power of the Internet, though, really. Although I think one benefit, too, is some of these major franchises already have established fan bases, not just nationwide but worldwide. If you look at social media numbers, I know the Lakers blow everybody out of the water. But I know the Celtics are right up there. So do you, how much do you think that's a like benefit of helping Boston because with the players that are in the league right now? Because the perception of the city to young black athletes isn't ideal with, you know, not great weather during the NBA season. You know, not the best nightlife, sketchy race history, etc. Is, is that anything, does that really overrule any of that stuff in your eyes? No,
2: no, because I think, you know, the, the reputation Boston had for years in the sports community um, to me has largely been dispelled. You know, um, I think what Doc Rivers and that Celtics team that won a championship did, you know, with Pierce and Garnett and Ray and those guys, sh to me, it put a different light on Boston. And it and it gave to this this generation's pro athlete, along with the great success that the other sports teams in Boston have had, it's it's transformed Boston's image to me. Uh, in ways that I don't think would have been possible in, say, the 19 early 80s and in mid 90s, even. Um, I, I happen to love the city and the atmosphere. Do I do I wish that they had a different climate in the winter? Absolutely. But there's a sports culture in Boston, in a in a fan base for the hometown team in Boston that any professional athlete should and, and to me would want to be a part of at some point because there's, there's just too much too much winning that's going on over the years to ignore. And these athletes in today's age make so much money, Larry. They make s- such outlandish amounts of money comparatively that – Compared if to you, us. If you, if, you, if you play in Boston but you don't want to live there in the offseason – you don't live there in the offseason. This this is not an issue. Uh, so these guys will have all the time in the world to go indulge whatever things they want to in you know in the offseason in Miami or LA or Atlanta or Houston or wherever they want to hang out. I, I think I think we don't give the modern athlete enough credit for being as for having the wherewithal to understand that there are no limitations on what they can do and where they can do it because of the financial windfalls that they've. Been able to get their hands on just just by virtue of playing when they play. The, ch- the guys like Charles Barkley in their era, they were making tons of money compared to the average Joe, but they weren't making the tons of money that players are making now. Yeah, they were making like three million. Structure.
1: I know Jordan's salary like blew up to like I think he had like one year he made like thirty million dollars. Remember he was getting those one year. It Was contracts? at the very end of his career. Yeah, the very end of his career, career was making thirty. But I think that in the early 90s it was like five million I we said five million bucks like he wasn't even but, the yeah.
2: highest paid player in the league during the zenith of his career which is a, a, a travesty when you look it back on it I mean it's a joke that he wasn't he wasn't the league's highest paid player you know and it's the same goes on today there are guys go back go run down the list of the top salaries in the league and they're not all on championship oh well, Joe
1: Johnson was like up at the top for so many years
2: Exactly.
1: I got it I want to get you out of here cuz spend spent so much time with us. But we're sort of this is perfect way cuz we're discussing sort of the historical vantage points of the NBA. This is the 30th anniversary season of the 1986 Boston Celtics. So I can't really get a national vantage point without mentioning the words Spurs and Warriors, which we've mentioned at like minimal of in the show, and they made the NBA world stop last night. And it's a little early here on the AM here on the Sunday. Haven't been able to get around and watch that game. Made sure I got my eight hours of sleep before speaking to you here in the wee hours of the Sunday morning. So rather than talk about a game I haven't watched yet, Warriors, I can't help but look. Spurs, they can match it themselves. But Golden State, though, cupcake schedule undefeated at home here on the 20th March, remaining scheduled to finish their road trip tomorrow in Minnesota, but back at home Wednesday against the Clippers. So Clippers, Mavs, Sixers, put that one in the bank. Wizards, Celts, Blazers, Wolves, Spurs on Thursday, April 7th. little promo shout-out for you guys. Second game of a doubleheader on TNT that evening. Then the last regular season game at home against Memphis. Do they do it? Do they go 41-0 and at home, breaking the Boston record in 1986?
2: I think they do. Um... You don't win as many home games as they have with a crowd that is beyond it's better than that
1: pre-LeBron Cleveland crowd, huh?
2: Yes. An unbelievable home court advantage that's always been a part of the Golden State Warriors. Even when the all oh, year drought. I remember drought, oh, you, know, I remember I mean, you would go
1: out west, watch Celtics games, and watch their crowd. Like It's like, was this like, for real?
2: <laughs> it's unbelievable. My best friend lived in Oakland for nine years, and every time I would travel out there for you know, a regular season game when I was covering the Pacers, the Hawks, it was the same atmosphere each and every time. Just a raucous home crowd. So, yeah, I have no reason to believe they're going to drop a home game. Um, even with a team like the Spurs coming in there one more time. Um, they may
1: rest their guys for that game. You got to watch out for that.
2: Yeah, and, I, and Golden State, the thing I appreciate about that team is they've embraced the history and.
1: Oh, they want it. For it. They want yeah, it. They, they, want it. That's, they want that's it. That's
2: refreshing you know i remember when Miami was on that 20 some game win streak a few years ago and it was the worst thing that ever happened to them they didn't want to talk about it they you know they got uptight tight in the pursuit of that 33 straight you know win streak record that the Lakers own they didn't want any part of it and and the Warriors are totally different they are they are full throttle trying to get there and I can appreciate that if you want to be great and you want to go down as one of the greatest teams of all time Which I would point out that the Warriors have only been in this category for a year, almost two years now. Nobody was talking about them being a historically great team three years ago. So
1: Last year, everyone was like, nah, they're, they're going to fizzle out in the playoffs. It's all about exactly. San Antonio. Then all of a sudden, it was amazing what a championship. And it's, I was incredibly biased, too, with Golden State there because, like I said, you never trust Popovich when it comes to resting his players. They could have made a better charge at 70 themselves. Remember, they rested a bunch of their players back late January in a game in Golden State. And then that game on April 7th, that just one looks ripe for Pop to sit all of his guys if they're not close to the dubs to getting that one but the Celts, lest we forget, were fifty and one at home. Any, you think any of these two teams match or even break it? I'm Warriors can go forty one at home. Do you they think they're going to do it and run all the way through, playoffs included?
2: I'll, I'll be stunned if the Warriors are not playing for a championship in June. Um, and if it's a if it's a rematch of last year's finals, I have no reason to believe they would they would falter in a matchup like that because we've seen them at their best against Cleveland. Whether Cleveland's had all their pieces or not, and I think the Warriors are a superior team. So I don't want to ruin the next you know three months for everybody and tell you that just get ready for a parade. Yeah, you know,
1: no, no, we need to keep everything, especially when you're on the, especially when you're working for the man.
2: Exactly. So I mean, I'm, hopefully there's a ton of intrigue to, to be had, but I'll, I'll be stunned if we're not in the Bay Area uh, watching the Warriors win another title. It'll be one of the most shocking. Upsets if that doesn't happen in in NBA history.
1: Yeah, something tells me we'll get that greatest ever talk going for this team. I know we have a natural inclination to say that none of these teams compare to the sacred cow teams of the '80s of Bird and Magic. I don't believe, or it. Yeah, even believe Jordan's that. Bulls. But I don't know. We'll wait a few months. A lot to transpire here, and so much of this action, say taking place on Turner Sports, the exclusive home of the Western Conference Finals, and NBA TV. Actually, you gotta get, you gotta get cut up in the on the Celtics is likely home of the Celtics in the first round. I, I think I'm gonna take a wild <laughs> guess there, but. Sekou Smith from NBA TV, author of the Hangtime blog on NBA.com, as well as over 20,000 sentences and 140 characters or less on his Twitter, at Smith NBA. Thanks so much for stopping by once again, man.
2: Thanks, I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Sekou. Took us all the way to the end of the show there, man. Touching all the bases. I feel like we got everything. But last, as I heed, get in on that Celtics deal. There's a good chance... You're going to be seeing them there on NBA TV where, again, our audience can catch Seiku there frequently. But as I said, we took some time, and we are right up against the wall here on time. So we got to put number 149 in the bank right here, and you got to do it. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Beats DJ Joe, and Steph LeGratto. Sure so to follow us on social media, our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat, and you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at facebook.com slash Celtics Beat, also Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. I'd like to thank our guests, ESPN Chris Forsberg and Sekou Smith of NBA TV, who you just heard, as well as our great, great sponsors, SeatGeek and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our staff, Radio Eddie Santiago, Program Director Nick Jelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I'm Larry H. Russell. See everyone on the pregame show tomorrow on clnsradio.com. Back here next Sunday for another edition of Celix Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.